Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Tethered. All right. Well, we get to do a fun Q&A panel. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through a couple of the, the questions that, that we've kind of uh, gotten um, formulated ahead of time just to give some, some uh, discussion points. And, and really, the, the goal of this is to tug at our leadership team of uh, what are we doing personally? What are our personal views? Why do we think that? And so we're going to go through some of those questions, and I'll be, uh, I'll be the one answering the questions. And so we're going to, uh, to be able to, to go through those, but at the end of that, we, we kind of planned it so that there's not a full amount uh, taking up the time. You guys will have opportunity to ask those questions. So like Caitlin was saying, if you've had those questions that, you know, we normally only do one question per group, and you had that question sticking with you, and you, you don't really have any resolution to that, ask it. We want to be able to, I mean, we, not may, ha- we may not have the answer, but it'll probably be entertaining at least. Um, so, you know, uh, get those questions ready. We're going to run through a few of these questions and uh, be thinking of those that you may have. Maybe one of the questions that we ask here will spark a question, write those things down, and uh, we want to give this, uh, give you, give you this opportunity to ask those questions, to uh, to get some candid responses. Maybe, uh, you know, at least, like I said, be entertained. So, we'll start with uh, a quick prayer, and because uh, we really want this to be edifying, and uh, and then we'll jump right into the questions. So, Father, we thank you, God, for uh, your your graciousness. Your, uh, your love for us and your concern for us that you would have given us so much material to prepare us for this generation, for this transitional time period, that you would help prepare the church to usher in the return of your son, God, that we could partner with you in prayer and establish lifestyles that are set as those who are are watchmen, those who are those shining ones, those, those lamps in a dark generation, those who would be like those, the, the ones who would call out in the wilderness to make straight a path. And God, we ask that in this Q&A that you would be glorified that your church would be built up, and that, Lord, we would ultimately be more prepared to live soberly in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so question number one, and uh, we'll, have, we'll all have opportunity to ask, though you don't have to if you don't want to. Um, first one is, you know, we're alive right now in this tra- transitional generation. Even Vina was kind of segueing for us about so many unprecedented things. I'm thinking back to like 2019 leading into 2020. How many events, how many trends have just been in the news? Unprecedented this, unprecedented 100-year this, first time ever, you know, all of these different uh, events and trends. 
It's crazy to be alive right now in, in this time period. So with all of that being said, what are you doing or what have you done to help make preparing for the end times, specifically preparing for the end times, more real for you personally? So what are you doing or what have you done to make it more real in light of the fact that we're living in the transitional generation before Jesus returns? Yeah, just uh, um, one thing I'm thinking of as we are ones who are studying these things, like what we don't want to do is just study the notes on an encounter service and get all this understanding and let that be the thing. So first answer is really simple. It's like we need, to, we need to pray these things. We need to be in a teaching and we need to take the notes, take the verses, sing through them on our sets, pray through them, and just like... I mean, we don't get it in a, a teaching or two or even in a, you know, an eight-part or one of Brad's, you know, 60-part overviews of the end times. Like, we, we won't get it in that. We need to, like, take it in the prayer room and really, I mean, the Bible exhorts us again and again. It says, eat the scroll. It says, take time to, to, to get the message in you. And so it's, it's not a quick fast track. It's a, just taking the word, praying it, and um, some days you feel it, some days you don't, but every time you are engaging in the word and and closing your eyes and talking to Jesus, bringing the verses back to him, like those, that's sowing real seeds in our hearts. Um, I'm just thinking of the verse that says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And I'm thinking just, just we need to be the ones who plant those seeds continually. And just the more, the more we do that, we have those, those moments of, of revelation where the Lord illuminates a verse and it's just like it, it comes flooding in and it just feels real <laughs> to us. And so it really is a our participation in sowing the seeds and then the Lord's grace to us to make it feel real. I think that's that's definitely his his part is to to make it hit home in our hearts. That's so good. I want to ask you a follow-up question on this. You said, you know, singing in our sets. Um, so obviously those those who are, are leading sets or singing on a team can do that. What a, How can someone who's maybe not on a team or maybe just, you know, uh, in the prayer room or at home, how could they maybe incorporate some of that singing in the word too? Got any tips on that? Yeah, I mean, anyone can do it. Um, you can sing loudly. You can sing quietly. If you really like wanted to go for this and you're like, I have zero time ever, you can like just sing quietly as you're going to pick up the milk from the grocery store and be like doing it in your head like, you know, I'm not even going to sing here. But, <laughs> but uh, I was going to, but then I was like, no. um, but you can, you can do this anywhere, just singing quietly. And so in the room, I mean, there's times where the worship leader is singing through a passage and I'm like, oh yeah, like I want to engage in that and I'll jump in and start singing. And there's other times when I got a certain passage that's the worship leader singing a different song, but I'm like, I'm just really feeling this verse or it's one that's in my heart. And so I'll sing along to them to the kind of the, you know, the progression they're doing, but just sing a different verse. And so it's just, there's, you can sing loudly, you can sing quietly, so you can really, really do it anywhere. That's really good. Anyone else? One of the things that I think is so important is just preparing our hearts to be unoffended. Um, when the intense trials come, we better be unoffended then. We better be ready to say, Jesus, you're still good, even though it's like raining giant hailstones and like all this crazy stuff is happening. But if we wait till then to be unoffended at trials, we're going to have a problem. So um, I really want to make sure that I'm processing biblically about whatever things happen now, whether it's small or big, whether it's things in my life or things that are happening globally right now. 
um, just making sure I'm able to be anchored that God has a purpose and everything he does, everything he allows, he's good. He's working mercy and redemption through it all. Even through the judgment, he's working mercy and redemption through it. Um, and just really anchoring myself in the nature and character of Jesus. Because that's going to be, we, we have to know who Jesus is. If we know who Jesus is, then we'll be, we'll be solid through anything. So really just anchoring myself in in the 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 goodness and the beauty of Jesus even as he comes as a warrior and comes in judgment and all the things that are going to happen that he's he's good in the middle of it no matter what and just preparing my heart to be unoffended um, for those major crises um, by practicing on whatever little crises happen now. Yeah, um you know, I'll jump in here, and then Christy, if you, you want to share, you're welcome to. One of the things for me that, that I, I've really been thinking about is, you know, I've, I've been here for the past 15 years, and really, I'd probably say for the past 12 or 13, really giving myself to the study of the end times. And one of the, the biggest uh, pitfalls, I think, for, for that situation particularly is one of, one of the... Uh, um, like tendencies or, or, you know, things that we, we want to kind of slide into is like find a rhythm, which can be really good for structure, but it can also make things kind of familiar and they start getting rusty or crusty. And it's like, oh, I don't want what was so sobering, you know, at first to have become this routine and to become this uh, just, you know, rhythm of life and, you know, things like that. And so, for me, uh, I think, you know, finding ways to 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 mix it up, to challenge myself uh, in in whatever I'm praying or, or uh, you know, in in the in the way that I'm studying. One of the things uh, that that I've really taken hold uh, here recently in the past probably four or five years is. Uh, really going slow, deep dive in, in, in my study of the scriptures, and specifically in the, in the major and minor prophets, um, has been um, just one of the most refreshing things. I've, I've so enjoyed Jeremiah um, here recently in the past um, probably six to nine months or so, uh, when previously, you know, you read through these type of books, and um, I had been on the 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 um, objective of getting familiar with the word, which was excellent. I, I feel like I, I built a, a foundation solid, but now I, I'm really wanting to go deep into these, into these books and look at the, the life, look at the, the reason, but, but more than, than the Bible study notes, we're praying, and you know, we came back from the senior staff uh, work retreat, we're praying for the spirit of revelation to rest on us as, as we read through, as we pray through these things. And so as, as we're reading through, we're, we're praying, Lord, illuminate our minds that, that we could have real understanding of what you want and not just, you know, love a commentary, but not just what the commentaries are saying. We want to know what the commentary of heaven is specific to our generation related to the books that we're reading. So um, that's one of the things that, that I've really been uh, trying to do is slow down and, uh, and give the Lord opportunity to, to really speak into what I'm reading. So, 
Another thing that has helped like make preparing for the end times more real for me is just like with the pressure and the persecution that's going to be coming, just like you hear about it, um, but like how do you prepare your heart and like something that I feel has helped it feel more real is like reading biographies of those who are like have went through intense persecution and like looking at like not only what they endured but how did their heart like what were the responses in the midst of it and then not just reading it and hoping it and dreaming and being like oh I, I hope I'm like that courageous or whatever but like really taking it to the place of prayer and being like Lord help me to to endure it and to go through these types of things awesome can, do you have like two, three recommendations of biographies? I would say The Hiding Place and The Heavenly Man are probably on the top. So good. Yeah, um, I totally agree. Those those biographies can be super helpful. Um, uh, but but then again, to Caitlin's point, you know, the romanticism of I'm going to be ready in that day. You know, we we want to be taking the steps to uh, to prepare our hearts even now. So excellent, excellent. Okay, next question. So um, here, here uh, I want to say it was a couple of weeks ago, Brad made a statement talking about Babylon being one of the most important, if not the most important end time subjects for the church to understand. Uh, what do you think about that? Agree, disagree? Do you uh, have something that may be more important? Or if Babylon is the most important, why do you say that? So um, recap on what Babylon is. So the harlot Babylon in scripture, it's this global culture of deception that gets into every aspect of society. And I think I agree that it, it is like the most important thing for us to focus on um, because deception is so deceptive. It's just sneaky and you don't realize you're in it until it's too late. Um, and I know I've had good friends who, you know, grew up in church. I would have thought they were super, super solid. You know, we were in it together. And then just they started making compromises, started believing things, started doing things. And then over time, they're just like opposite of where they used to be. Um, and so I really think it's so important to, um, one, realize that no one is immune. Like, I'm not immune. If I'm not careful in guarding my heart, that could be me in five or ten years. Like, there is nothing special about me. Um, if I don't, like, keep oil in my lamp, if I'm, not, if I'm not continually pursuing the Lord, like, it really could happen to any of us. So no one is immune. Um, and just, yeah, the, the, the trickiness of deception, like, just keep on guard at all times. That's really the scariest thing to me or the most intense thing to me about the storyline of the end times is the great falling away, that that will happen to a lot of people. And we can know all the timelines and which trumpet and which seal happens here and there, but like, if our hearts aren't prepared to withstand deception, like, what, what does it even matter? Yeah, I think, um, personally, I, I agree. I would say the Harlot Babylon is, is one of the, it, it's, I think, the premier subject in, in, in the preparation, uh, aside from, you know, preparing our own hearts and, and uh, giving, giving attention to, uh, to, to use the, the metaphor, tending our own garden, the garden of our hearts, that we would have tender hearts before the Lord that are submissive and obedient, um, but more than just submissive and obedient, but in love, um, 
to have the, uh, the eyes that are open that Jesus warned us about. He said, be not deceived. I mean, he hammered the point home. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. I tell you the truth. You know, he's really going for it and making sure that, that it's, it is something that is uh, not just sl- slipped in there, but he is uh, adamant about talking about deception and when he begins describing the age, we very clearly see the parallels of, of both the, uh, the ancient Babylonian times with, with the, uh, with the uh, Israelites being uh, you know, uh, taken to, into Babylon. We see the parallels. And uh, one of the reasons that I've so enjoyed Jeremiah and, and Daniel and, and Isaiah is looking at the way that these people lived in the midst of the growing insurgence of the culture of that age, of that hour, with so much uh, anti-Christ, anti-God, worldview, ideas, motivations, policies, all of those things. And we can begin to see the, the parallels emerging and strengthening right now in our in our in our own nation. But also across the world, and the way that the uh, the resurgence of of the harlot Babylon, the spirit of the age, is described, we can already see the groundwork being laid, and uh, I I wholeheartedly agree. I think deception is is one of the the biggest premier things that we need to uh, be preparing for, and then the 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 broader subject of that global. Uh, system that is going to be economic, religious, political, cultural, uh, that is all swirled up and then also uh, just so sweeping that is that will sweep the globe but prepare the world to receive the Antichrist. <laughs> it is such a, a uh, uh, I mean, catastrophic, when I, I think of the ramifications globally, a catastrophic error to, to have all of this information and not, not be prepared for it. And so, uh, yeah, I think this is the hour to get oil, but also to, to, uh, to be prepared in knowing with understanding what is to come. Yeah, I think it's a really important subject to study. I think the it's such a interesting topic, and at first glance, like a you know you don't want to study it. And so I think, as far as why it's important, I think it's I think in the church we have some degree of understanding of the Antichrist, of Mark of the Beast. I mean, there's lots of YouTube videos you can search. Like everyone's got opinions on six 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 and Mark of the Beast. But like the Heart of Babylon is mostly like you mentioned that to people, and they're like. Why are you cussing at me? Like, what's going on? And so um, I think it's like a, something that those who have heard about it think it's a little weird, and those most people just haven't even heard about it or like, what is this? So I think it's important because it's something that the Lord dedicates so much scripture to, Jeremiah 50, 51, uh, Revelation 17, 18, and largely the body of Christ has no idea this even exists and hasn't taken time to do the deep dive and wade through the details. And then if you're... Um, if you're super practical like me or just very linear in thinking, like the Harlot Babylon system actually rises first before we see the Antichrist in an overt global way. 
And so, like, practically I'm thinking, okay, like, what's the, what's the first, like, major challenge of the church? And it's actually not the Antichrist. It's the harlot Babylon system, that system of deception, pulling, anointed deception, trying to pull our hearts away from the Lord. And so, um, so it's like, it's the first major thing before us on a global scale that we're going to have to fight through. And, uh, and also, um, a lot of times, like we think of, you know, persecution rising under the Antichrist, which it absolutely will. But uh, Revelation seventeen six actually talks about it first. It says that um, it says I saw the women uh, speaking of Har- Harlot Babylon drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And so, even before the Antichrist comes on the global scene, there's a lot of world's uh, wide martyrdom happening at the hands of the Harlot Babylon. And so. A lot of times we think Antichrist, persecution, like I'm good until then. Like, no, it's the Harlem Babylon is going to be this rising system. And Brad will get all into this when we talk about it. But it's there's going to be a lot of persecution and hatred and stuff coming from that even before we see the Antichrist rise. And so for me, it's like this is the, the first thing we're going to face as a church. It's the most, whereas the Antichrist, you know, rising and setting himself up in the temple. It's really clear, really overt. The harlot Babylon is more elusive and like a snake. It's the father of lies, uh, disguising sheep among wolves. I mean, there's there's so much there that makes the harlot really, really tricky for the church to navigate. And so we need to we need to start wading through the, the awkwardness and the in, unfamiliarity and study this and talk about this together. Shameless plug, I'm probably going to be doing a uh, Harlot Babylon FSM course in the fall. So if nothing to sign up yet, but just be looking for that. Um, you know, we, we're, uh, as, as we were uh, developing kind of the, the roadmap for the calendar year, we looked at the fall and said, man, we got we to gotta do something. And so the plan is, it's still preliminary, but the plan is to do uh, that, that class in the fall. So... Be looking for that. Okay, uh, we're going to go on to the next question. And again, if you've got any questions, be thinking of them because uh, we've, we've got a handful left and then, and then we'll, we'll move on to any questions from, from you guys. So as we've been going through the book of Revelation, what has most stood out to you and why? What's been most marking? I'll just I'll just start out real quick. Probably one of the the biggest connection points that I had not seen is the the sign of the Son of Man. And I mean the the you I had read all the verses previous to you know they they see the sign of the Son of Man and and they're crying on the ro- out to the rocks, fall on us. They're hiding, hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. We're we're, we're reading those and it you know it's like okay you know something's crazy gonna happen. But we look at the the uh, the sky receding like a scroll, and how that just fits so perfectly, both in chronology but also in context. And it's like, oh my gosh, there's going to be some open portal uh, related to uh, to the, right before the the seal or the uh, the end of the seals into the trumpets, and. There's going to be a window into heaven where people will be able to identify and see Jesus and the Father and and with clarity understand that's the Lamb 
who has wrath that's pointed toward us who are rebellious, and we don't want to be anywhere in, in harm's way. They're going to be able to, with understanding, see two-thirds of the Trinity with their eyes and tremble. <laughs> that is going to be uh, one of the, the craziest, uh, just most uh, overt uh, transitionary moments, I think, in, in this generation. When, when we see the sign of the Son of Man, the coming of the Son of Man, that, that one just really blew me away. Yeah, similar. I mean, it's kind of right there in that, uh, around that, um, those same topics. But for me, it was the whole concept of Revelation 6, the, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh seal, and how we spent some time on there. And I remember, like, beforehand, I would read this this portion, and I'd be like, yeah, I don't really know what's going on here. And so Brad just helped bring a lot of clarity in our, our conversations, um, discussion groups. There was a lot of stuff that came out. So mostly... Um, if you think of the end times is, is the great and terrible day of the Lord. So if you think of like a, a balance where you put a weight on one side and the little thing goes up, um, I was kind of tipping towards my own perspective and my own like filter of seeing the end times was mostly or more weighted towards the like the church going through difficulties, persecution, prepare. It's going to be real rough. It's going to be real hard. And it is going to be that. But I feel like uh, specifically fifth, sixth, seventh seal because Brad talked about in many ways, those being different measures of, of upgrades to the church, it really helped give me more imbalance. Like, yes, it is the terrible day, but it's it's the great day. Like, the, the church is going to be victorious. We're going to be walking through all these crazy difficulties with, like, burning on, G, burning on fire for Jesus, clarity, power, authority. Like, like we're going to be, like, we're going to be standing strong during those days. And so that's just been so helpful and encouraging to me and just a um, a fresh spark and like excitement and and um, all that I'm singing through in, in the prayer room and stuff just to like remind myself like yes like we're going to be a victorious church and this is this really is the greatest hour of the church that's yet to come and so that's that just helped me bring uh, bring me back to balance and so I really just appreciated those that's so good and so right right included in in that swirl is the great Joel two outpouring the outpouring of his Holy Spirit where the gifts of the fruit the gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit are going to be in full manifestation. And uh, like I love the way Luke said it, the victorious church is going to be on fire for Jesus. And, you know, I, I think it's very easy to, to, to think of the terrible part. You know, we, we really want to uh, kind of focus on that. But it's also the greatest hour of the church. Um, and, and I can, I, I think of sometimes the, 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 prophecies that that have been said about the generation that would be alive in this hour and, and even some from the prophetic history of the prayer movement of uh, these experiences where these these uh, men and women would have uh, you know uh, a heavenly encounter and they see the generation that would be alive in that hour and how what an honor and a privilege it was to be those who would be uh loving Jesus in that hour because of the, uh, both the honor of, of uh, the sacrifice and, and the fellowship of suffering, but also the power and the anointing and the victory that the church is going to experience. So that's amazing. Austin. Yeah, one more thing I'll add, it's, and Brad's mentioned this before too, but it's it's been so fun being a, a discussion group leader just to see 
and I have different people most weeks, but just to see overall as a community like us from the session one until whatever session we are on now, uh, like we've just grown so much. And I mean, the conversations in the early times was just like repeating, repeating things and kind of stumbling forward. But now, like, I mean, a lot of times, like, I'm not really having to dig to answer, to keep the conversation going. You guys are like bouncing back and forth. I just could then sit there and be like, wow, this is great. Like you guys are doing all the work for me. So it's, it's just been really fun and enjoyable to see our community grow and get deeper and to see people's faces lighting up and smiles coming when we're talking about some of these things. It's just been really fun and really uh, encouraging. Anything else stand up? Really, my answer is the same as Andy's, just that point when the there's the window into heaven, the sign of the Son of Man, that never made sense to me, the sky, you know, being rolled back like a scroll, that never made sense to me. Um, so that was a really new and helpful component of the storyline. But it kind of just helped me realize, or I guess reinforce the realization that, like, the Bible makes sense. It does. Like, there will be verses that don't make sense. But it will if you stare at it long enough and compare and find scripture and interpret scripture. And eventually, it does make sense. Like, God did write it to make sense. Like, the answers are there. Um, and you'll figure them out eventually. <laughs> okay, so we just kind of uh, touched on some of those, like, uh, probably, you know, 201 subjects of, of end times Let's, let's uh, take a few steps back for, for anyone who's fairly new to, uh, to the Bible or to even just the study of the end times. You know, there, there's, uh, it, it can maybe seem intimidating. I know on the front end for me, it was like, man, this is, seems like a lot to take in. Um, what are um, some suggestions? What are some tips? Where do we get started? Any of that? What are some like... Uh, study the end time starter starter packs. You know, like how do we? How can someone just getting started uh, find some great tools, some tips, uh, some way forward in in their pursuit of studying the end times? Um, step one, I say, is Matthew twenty four. Like it's a simple. It's a very straightforward chapter where the disciples ask Jesus, like, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming? And he's like, okay, first this, then this, then that he just, like, lays it all out really, really straightforward. So get familiar with Matthew 24. Make that your first go-to. Um, and then as you're reading Revelation, getting a handle on Revelation, um, learn the structure of Revelation. That was life-changing for me to get a handle on the outline um, uh, there's, you know, there's an introduction chapter, there's um, chapters two and three, which are the letters to churches, chapter four and five is a scene in heaven, the story really starts in chapter six, um, and then I think Brad has done a session on the, um, like, the outline of, uh, like, the seals, trumpets, bowls, there's, this is big, there's chronological sections, there's angelic interpretation sections, so there's some sections where the storyline is just, like, straightforward narration of what's happening and there's some parts where it's like okay pause let me explain why this is happening what's the broader context of the earth and so as you get familiar with the structure of revelation and learn to recognize like which are we in the chronological storytelling mode or are we in the pause explain mode and actually in my bible someone taught me this years ago i have um, like drawn in the margins i use what do i use 
It's like a red pencil down the margins for when it's chronological section and then a blue pencil in the margins for when it's an angelic interpretation section. So I can just glance at it and see at a glance what is what. Uh, so find yourself a good outline of Revelation. Uh, Mike Bickle has um, one. So just Google Mike Bickle outline of Revelation. It's so easy to find. I think actually even the, yeah, the bookshelf. It's a little green book called like Revelation study guide and it has an outline of Revelation. So get familiar with that, print it out, stick it in your Bible and have that just kind of as your roadmap as you're studying so you can kind of keep yourself from getting lost. So it's very helpful and very practical. Yeah, I would say um, I always point people to Matthew 24 is great. I always point people to Matthew 13 first, uh, which is the parable of the wheat and the tares. And it just it kind of just before you dive into the specifics and chronology, it just kind of sets the table for like what's going on in the end. Like the, the wheat is mature, the righteous, the wicked are mature. And the two are at, at the same time. So I always love to start people there. And then I would I would recommend just for you guys or for people you're talking to just I would recommend, in a lot of ways, the Old Testament prophets and stuff give a lot of insights and specific information and more details, whereas the New Testament stuff is is pretty, there's a lot more like introductory stuff, I feel, I and mean, that's just me, but I would love to just start with the words of Jesus. Um, Mike Bickle has an incredible resource, like 150 chapters on the end times, and it just lists all of the chapters, and so I would just... Yeah, I, I would just, I've used that to this day. I still use it um, just going through the New Testament and do all the New Testament verses, kind of get a feel for it and then start. And I, I would get familiar with Revelation in a lot of senses. It's kind of like a, a summary of all of the Bible. And so I would actually make that like down the road a little bit, even though we're studying it. Um, so I would just get familiar with the New Testament stuff and then start to dip into Revelation, start to dip into the Old Testament um, yeah, and if you're having a conversation with people about this, how to get started, just really just point them in any way and just say, just start praying the scripture, start asking questions, and then they'll be fine. I know it's it's the temptation is like there's so much, and so I got to do it the right way, and so I'm not going to do it at all. I know that's how I f felt in some ways at the beginning, and so you just need to, that's you, just to just... Pick a passage, dive in. If that's your one of your friends, just encourage them that like it's not you just studying. Like the Lord wants us to know and be familiar with these things, and so just start somewhere, and He'll He'll help lead you. Um, yeah, I would totally agree with those. One of the things that um, that several of us here uh, at TPR, but then also um, multiple communities probably around the earth, did back in I want to say 2010. Uh, was the uh, the sacred charge, which was a, a call to the church to uh, to do several things. You know, there were seven seven commitments of the foreigner. One of them was to read the book of Revelation, you know, chapter one through twenty two, uh, once a week to to read through it. And so, uh, doing that, uh, reading it weekly. For three years, uh, I think, was just an amazing investment into getting familiarity, getting some clarity. The first read-through was like, blink, blink. <laughs> like, what did I, you know, what in the world? And uh, the second one was like one blink, and then the third, fourth, fifth was like kind of half a blink, and then you begin to get, oh, yeah, this is about to happen, you know. And uh, another thing 
Praise the Lord for, for my wife. You know, we, we both at the same time made that commitment. And so we were keeping each other accountable and we were, we were able to, to, uh, to read that together on a, on a weekly basis. And um, we, uh, we, we journeyed that three years together to be able to, to read through. And it was such an investment, such a, uh, a worthy, a worthwhile thing to do. Um, that that I, I really attribute to a lot of the foundation of of, of understanding the storyline, to then understand what all the, the the Lord is is wanting to tell us. So um, it it is a bit of an undertaking. However, we've got a set here at the prayer room that does a weekly read through that you can sit in and follow along. And that that would do you uh, so much benefit. Uh, I, I I'm even thinking of the the couple of people that I know have been in that set and just hearing them over the over the uh, few months that they've been in it and it's you can tell it's transformative. So uh, I would say one of those is is get get the Book of Revelation because. Uh, while uh, I think Luke, was, Luke said it, um, I think that there's very little new information. It's packaged in such a condensed way, in such a, uh, in such a way that is uh, so uh, just packaged, I mean, it's packaged well uh, in, in uh, Revelation, and uh, you really do get a good uh, sense of the storyline and everything that's going on. In addition to that, throw in some prayer and fasting. And, uh, and you will be well on your way, for sure. I guess I'll, I was just going to elaborate along the prayer and fasting part. Um, this was reminded of Proverbs 2, where it says in verse 3, like beginning at verse 3, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God for the where the Lord gives wisdom, and just like to approach, to have a heart posture of not trying to go in and be like, oh, I'm going to figure this out, but rather be like, Lord, I can't understand this apart from you, and to cry out to him for, for the understanding. That is so good. That spiritual hunger component is absolutely key to all of this. Okay, let's look at the next one. Um, do you have a favorite... Uh, in time subject, and if so, what about it makes it interesting? Favorite. Dude, I just, I, I, I have answers for all of these. I don't want to go first all the time. Um, I love thinking about what actually happens when Jesus comes back. Not all the stuff leading up to that, but like what happens in the moment he appears in the sky. And then, like, the, the little period of time following that. What, what is that about? Um, shameless plug. Brad has a series called the something procession. The second coming procession. Um, it's an eight-part series out there. It's fantastic. I've never heard anyone else do an eight-part series just on, like, that. Uh, but we know Brad. He goes deep in small things, which is this is not a small thing. Um, but just what happens like at when Jesus comes back, because he comes as a warrior to set captives free, like all the ones that, that the Antichrist has been putting in prison camps. And so it actually reminds me of the scene in um, Prince Caspian 
where um, Aslan, he's like coming, he's coming through the through the country of Narnia, and like there's all these different like little moments where he encounters different groups of people or dwarves or whatever, and um, like sets them free, and then he goes on his way to the big battle. Um, and so Jesus is doing that, making his way towards Jerusalem. And then, I mean, that's when he appears. That's the moment the rapture happens. We get our resurrected bodies. So I love like thinking about the resurre- resurrection and how that changes everything. Um, so that what happens when Jesus comes back, that's my favorite. <laughs> I guess I'll try to answer maybe something will come it's I mean I just love it all I, I would probably steal Caitlin's answer but I just love thinking about like the Jesus is the warrior and the just because it's so um, I just love we all love a good story and so I think of like Jesus the warrior um, coming back just all the like how that's the best story ever. And so I just love studying that. I love the, the tensions of like studying that the church is persecuted and the Antichrist is overcoming and there's all this martyrdom and there's this cry rising like, where is justice? Where is justice? And then Jesus comes back and like, I am justice. I'm making wrong things right. And so, yeah, Caitlin's answer. But but really, I mean, it just all so excites me. And my favorite thing about the end times is just when people come up to me and ask any sort of question. And I just love to answer questions and Especially with people who are like, tell me about the end times. I'm like, what do you want to know? And then they, I don't know, I just love dialoguing with people who are newer newer to it and seeing. Okay, I, was, I remember when I was a believer, I loved Jesus. Uh, and I remember when the, when the end times started becoming real to me. And I remember how just it caused, caused my heart to burn in a way that like pretty much nothing else, I, I don't think, in my walk up until that point. Um, and so I, I just love conversations with the new people. I love leading our, our interns and getting to have those conversations is because like when people's hearts start to touch, maybe not working out all the details, but start to get caught up in the end time story as like, wow, this is not just a weird, you know, YouTube thing that people talk about, but it's like this is the best part of the story. Like I love when that, that light bulb turns on and the hearts start to burn. And so that's my favorite part. And just seeing seeing people come alive to this because it is Jesus' story and it's awesome yeah you know the 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 day that the lord appears and and begins the the trend the the hostile takeover of of the world rule from the antichrist there is uh there's several ways that is described in the word it's the day of our blessed hope you know it's it's the way that it's the thing that we're longing for um it's the day of vengeance. It's it's uh, the day of the wedding. You know, there's there's several different ways that it's described, and, and I love thinking about that. We had a we you know we in our group that we we discuss these things as as uh, as teachers. We we were talking specifically about the 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 time period when Jesus is walking on the earth, and we were just uh, having such a fun exchange about like. The way that it, it describes his uh, his his presence and his uh, his power, the glory melting everything around him. You know, the mountains melting like wax, and the high places being made low, and the valley is brought high. And like, it's like, oh my gosh, these verses that seem so metaphorical and symbolic actually 
are beginning to make sense in, in the, the, the way that Jesus is described of shining brightly in radiance, but having feet that are, are you know, like uh, brass refined in the fire. It's like, oh my gosh, yeah, like I can totally see that because as you step on the ground, it's like a nuclear explosion every time. And the, the whole landscape is being transformed. That was a fun exchange. Uh, I, I remember just like, man, this is so cool. However, my favorite thing probably right now is Isaiah 25.6 is the, the, the passage that uh, shows me that Jesus loves barbecue and he's going to be the pit boss. <laughs> Isaiah 25.6 says, And in this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of choice pieces, a feast of wines on the lees, of fat things full of marrow, of well-refined wines on the lees. Come on, Jesus. Barbecue master. Fire up those grills. Let's make it happen. And then Jesus, you know, even uh, last week, Cheryl was talking about us banqueting Jesus and Jesus banqueting us. Jesus is going to be coming around, you know, just slanging that meat in. You know, it's like, man, come on. Give me the fatty pieces, Jesus. The pit boss. That's right. <laughs> Anything else? All right. Um, so one of the uh, interesting things about, um, uh, well, I'll, I'll skip that question and go to this one real quick. So living in the final generation, <clears throat> if, if that is the case, which uh, I believe is the case, um, we don't know how many decades we have. Maybe it's two, three, four, five, something like that. What do you guys think the next 20 years may look like? You know, we, we saw the past two years very pivotal, uh, pivotal, uh, tumultuous, uncertainty, unprecedented. That's just in two years. If you look back 2019 to, to now, it's a completely different way of life, uh, different priorities, different things. What do you guys think, just prediction, uh, what do you think the next 20 years is going to look like? I think it's absolutely um, Psalm chapter 2. <clears throat> Why do the peoples rage? Why do the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves against... Uh, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed, saying, let us burst apart their bonds and cast away the cords from us. And I just, I just think, I mean, real simply, the word says, like, the wheat is going to grow up, God's church is going to grow up into maturity, and darkness is going to grow up into maturity. And so it's like, there's no doubt as far as, I think is things are things going to get worse and darker? Like, the answer is yes. And so I think that the nations are going to continue to rage against the Lord and call what we think is good and righteous. They're going to actually more, as an individual level, and then as a cultural and even governmental level of entire nations, they're going to call what we think is good evil and what we think is evil is good we even see it now rising in different you know hot button topics and i think it's like it's going back to the to the the, the curse in the beginning of of when adam and eve you know ate the fruit they thought they, they they wanted wisdom and to do things in their own like what was right in their own eyes and they didn't really need god and they like wanted the power and so i think like i think that the end time picture is uh in the coming days is more and more nations and america like 
throwing off the word of God, throwing off righteous, like people becoming more and more wicked and just doing what's right in their own eyes. And so that's, I think that's absolutely just the, the cultural tide that we're going. And in the midst of that, don't forget, like the church is going to be growing up too. But I think that as far as like the nations of the earth, where they're headed, I think by and large, the nations raging against the Lord and righteousness is like where things are going. Yeah, just to, that, all of that exactly, just to say it again, um, maybe elaborate a little bit. Um, I think we're headed for a lot of confusion in the earth because eventually things will be very black and white. Eventually it will be obviously Antichrist versus Jesus. But remember we have the Harlot Babylon in between. Um, so I think we're headed for like a lot more different kinds of crisis, different kinds of unprecedented everything. Um, and I mean, we've seen over the last year how much debate and confusion and division has been happening over the, you know, the things that have been happening. Um, so we're going we're to see a lot more confusion. And so we're going to need to be super, super, super anchored um, in truth and in the word. Um, but I think there's going to be a lot of people, even in the church, who are going to be very confused and very swayed. Um, and But part of that is in the midst of all of this, just a thing Luke said that like the church is growing up too. Not only is wickedness growing up, but the church is growing up too. So God is purifying and refining the church. Um, we're going to be that pure and spotless bride. But to get there, there's a process. And so God has to prune the church and sort of expose things that are unhealthy and unhelpful and... Um, and yeah, expose some ugly things and make some people realize that the thing they thought was their foundation isn't actually a good foundation. Um, that's going to be a hard, messy process. Um, but ultimately, ultimately, we're going to get to that point of being ready to be the bride that um, Jesus is coming back for. Yeah, I, you know, in addition to, to those two points, I would add in the uh, the Psalm 91 reality that, that we, we got to experience a little bit. Uh, it was very real, but I think it's on a small scale. Uh, when I read through Psalm 91 and all of the threats that are just pressure on every side, the pestilence, the, the war, the, the, the physical, the... Um, the emotional, all the different, the different ways that there's just pressure on the people of the earth, but how in the midst of that, the 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 one who is who has made the Lord his dwelling place, the one who is has uh, found sh uh, shelter in the shadow of the Almighty, the one who sets his love on on uh, on the Lord, finds deliverance. And uh, I believe that we are going to see the craziest, I think, COVID-19 as, uh, as wide scale impacting as it was, the actual disease having, you know, its, its limitations. I think we're going to see probably uh, uh, diseases that are hundreds of times worse and way more invasive. I believe that we're going to see uh, uh, military conflict that are just so much more and, and very likely even on American soil. I believe we're going to see political upheavals. We're going to see economic 
disruptions. We're going to be seeing so many things going on. All of these shakings, you know, the word prophesies that he will shake everything that can, that can be shaken. And all of those systems of man that, that are great for stability and great for normal times, but we have placed so much trust in these things, and they will be shaken. But in the midst of that Psalm 91, you see the, I mean, it is our, our rapid-fire prayer for so long, provision, the protection, and the peace that is afforded to, the, to those who are, who are in the dwelling place, in, in the, right in the cleft of the rock, you see the, the divine protection, that Goshen principle resting, and it's like, man, all the more, that's where I want to be, absolutely. So the next 20 years are going to be wild, friends. Mm-hmm. Buckle up and make him your dwelling place. All right. I think we'll do one more question, then we'll open it up if you guys have anything. Um, man, which one do we want to do here? Hmm. The easy one. <laughs> yeah, which one of these? Okay. So let's, let's get a, a couple of practicals, uh, not for, for ourselves, but, um, you know, several of you are small group leaders, you're ministry leaders, you're heads of households, you're parents, you're, uh, you have influence. What are some ways that we can be intentionally preparing the next generation? So those that we have influence over, those in our families, those in our small groups, those uh, that, that are in the ministry that we're helping uh, give leadership to. What are some of the things that we can be doing to prepare them? I mean, I think having conversations with people, there's a number of people, granted, these are like friends, these are not my core people in my life, but lots of conversations recently where like all of this happened this past year, like people are wanting to know more about the end times and hungry. And so like I just started asking a couple of these friends like, what do you think about the rapture? Like, what, like, what's, what are you, what do you think about the end times? And so having like a really, like, honest conversation, not that's debating, but like, presenting what you're, what we're learning in the Word and in this Revelation study, presenting it with people and like having those conversations. I just think that people have ears to hear, and I think the Lord is giving, is maybe taking down some of the barriers in the past that people have had, you know, hardened hearts and not been willing to receive. I think that this past year has, again, more people are willing to have those conversations, and so. I'm all up for, like, you know, talking to people, asking them about it, being bold, like, again, not in an argumentative way, but just, like, I think now is the time to, to ask those questions and engage people so they can wrestle through these things themselves. Yeah, I think probably the, uh, the two things that, that I, would, I would say is, one, um, you know, being a, a, a dad of four uh, little ones, the probably one of the hardest but most rewarding things uh, that we've done is is get our girls in the prayer room like um, from from weeks old you know in the prayer room and and yes it, it's the struggle of of having a crying baby in a prayer room and then they get a little bit older and then you got to take them out for snack breaks and then you know then you got to discipline them because they're you know hanging from the lights and stuff it's like no you can't climb that pole and jump on the light like stop it no you can't be this you know all of these things but to to watch uh to watch my girls 
you know, now nine, eight years old, specifically the older two, come up to the open mic and they're praying with, with conviction. They're praying with understanding. They're praying in light of, of the Lord's return. And they're, they're, they're praying with years of history bathed in prayer is like the best return on investment ever. And, 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 and hearing, like, um, I forgot what, what one of them was praying, and I was like, they have more understanding as an eight- or nine-year-old than I did when I was 21. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's working, like, golly, there's, uh, it's, and, 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 and then the second is, you know, it's initially when, when uh you know, a, a group of us who were in our early 20s started, we all had the, the thought of like, yeah, we're going to be the generation we're going for. And, and as years have passed, my, my understanding and, and uh, conviction has switched. Is like, no, it's really not for me. It's for them. It's for the, it's for the, the next generation. And so all of the, the labor and effort that we're putting forward really isn't for 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 us it's it's for them we want to show them an example of what prayer and fasting looks like what giving looks like what uh sermon on the mount like allowing them to watch us be wronged or misunderstood and then be humble about it and and go low or or to allow them to to be in the room with us while we're we're leading worship or prayer leading or serving or doing these things, I think is, is such a, a, a noble thing to do, but it's giving them a bedrock for them to, to begin their own journey. And it's like, gosh, this is going to be such an amazing handoff. We want to give them the baton with so much more than what we were handed. And it's it's such a beautiful thing to me to, to be able to watch. So uh, those and then the conversations like, you know, Vina was talking earlier the, this past probably a week or two. You know, we're, we're driving around having these casual conversations about the two witnesses. And, you know, I can only imagine what they're thinking in the back seats like, you know, <laughs> what are they talking about? But, but then being exposed to those type of conversations, I think, is just so important to to uh, have the that bedrock of of and foundation of understanding is is so crucial. So. All right. So at this point, if you guys have any questions, you're welcome to ask, um, and we'll we'll field those. Anyone have questions? <laughs> In the room. Question is. Who do we think the two witnesses are? So we're going to do a, a draft pick. All of us get to pick the two witnesses, who we think it's going to be. And we'll start with Christy and go down the line. But if I would say any name at all, it would be Moses and Elijah, if I would say any name. I just think they're two regular dudes. I'm 50-50 on both of these answers. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we, we can't know, obviously, it doesn't say. Uh, but I think it's two random people. I think that the two witnesses are just going to be two guys. And uh, they could be, I think it's probably likely that they'll uh, be of uh, Jewish descent. 
and um, and and probably not American, uh, but <laughs> just I'm just saying maybe not. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think, I think that they'll just grow up and, uh, begin to, to be led of the Lord and feel that calling and then, and then feel the, the, uh, the boldness along with that in the same way that, um, John the Baptist did in the same way that Jesus did in the same way that all of these other people did. So yeah, great question. Yeah, good question. So the question, uh, and correct me if, if I misheard is, um, being a forerunner ministry, uh, there's a tendency to to lean toward pride or elitism because you know the the concept of a forerunner is your step ahead. Um, how how have we uh, recognized it and have we dealt with that pride or elitism? Fair. Yeah. I think one of the simplest ways for me is just um, uh, when I was newer. I think I think a lot of times the the elitism shows itself in like when we're praying for like the, the 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 sinful or the immature like church and like Lord call them back to you like when we're like putting the language on like Lord get them like get those ones who are deceived like get them back and so and I just love to like now I, I just love to now just include myself in all of it when I'm praying for you know, the church that needs to be wakened up. Like, I'm just like, I just say we, like, like, Lord, like, I know there's parts of my heart that are in, you know, low level deception or low level immaturity, and I need like breakthrough. And so I just, just fighting pride in that and just including, go ahead and just include yourself. And anytime you're praying for the church, just include yourself in there. Those that need God, just include yourself in there. Those who are filled with pride and, and rely on their own strength, just include yourself in there. And so just praying with that perspective of like, we need Jesus. Foreigners need Jesus as much as anybody. And even, I mean, we struggle, Andy mentioned earlier, but we foreigners struggle with like, over-familiarity and having, having the right words to say, but like, is it really in our hearts? And so I think even more, we just need to be like, oh, God, like, help me not help the, the fire of the, you know, the, the anti-message not just be something I understand, I knew in the past. And so hope that's helpful. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and then just recognizing whenever that judgment is in there, you know, catch that and call it sin and repent and then humble yourself before the Lord. I think, you know, along with any other sin is, is, is a great way to go. Excellent question. How do you cultivate oil? You know, the Matthew 25 concept. We hear the importance of it, but how do you cultivate it? What are some practicals? Phrase I'll throw out is long, loving hours of devotional prayer. <laughs> of devotional prayer. Long, loving hours. Um, find a way to carve out a block in your in your week, however many times that you can you can afford or you're willing to to give up to to give you know in this room or you know at home or whatever. But long, loving hours sitting before Jesus and um, and and really with the focus of not what can you give me, what can I give you. It's Gaze that Psalm twenty seven four gazing on the beauty of Jesus is is how you turn that that uh, that uh, into into oil. I think. Yeah. Um, so the question is, do, how do you know if you have oil? Do you feel it? Do you feel full? Um, I think there's kind of a paradox of 
you feel satisfied and yet unsatisfied at the same time. So I think you're in a good place if you, you're feeling some of the Lord and you want a whole lot more. Um, I think that's good evidence that like um, that he really is touching you and you have that history of intimacy that um, that you're you're hungry for more. Like as you as you encounter him, you're you're it awakens more and more hunger. So I don't think you ever get to the point where you're like, oh, I'm good. I have enough oil. Okay, I'm I'm set now. Uh, I think you're always at a point where you're like, I need more. I want more, and not in a panic way of like oh my gosh I need more else I'm not going to survive the end times but in a, in, a, in a lovesick way of I want more of him yeah I'm just thinking of the Sermon on the Mount you know, it starts with blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven and that's the entryway into the whole Jesus 101 teaching is blessed are the poor blessed are those who are are lowly in heart and just need God and so I think that's how you you know, you're getting oil. It's just that, like, daily. I'm thinking of also, like Jesus said, you know, I'm your, I'm your daily dead. Give us uh, daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And so I'm thinking it's, it's just the daily feasting on Him. And as far as like how you get oil, I think it's just the, as Andy said, the long loving hours. But I think it's, it's that and recognizing that we're grateful for when we feel it. I want to feel God a whole lot more. But like feeling or not feeling is really not, not. In God's eyes, like it's not, that's not where, that doesn't dictate what we do and we don't do. Like, again, I'm grateful when I feel it, but like the right answer is when I'm feeling it to keep digging and meditating on the word, praying, and the right answer when I'm not feeling it is all the more to to be reaching. And so I think in the most simplest sense, getting oil is just every day, like reaching for the Lord. Um, I mean, there's so many verses about like, you know, again, blessed are the poor in spirit are those who are, are needy, those who are weak, like... God doesn't have, you know, besides the two witnesses, those superheroes, but besides them, like God doesn't have like super saints, like we're all broken and weedy, weak and messed up. And so I think the right answer is just to keep, keep coming to him every day, whether it looks like, I mean, he, in another verse in Revelation, he says, like, encourage the church. He's like, though you are of little strength, like you just, you keep coming to me, you keep fighting. And so I think, I think we can get into trouble when we, when we look at our, hearts too much and we assess ourselves and go inward and see all of our flaws when really I think we just fix our eyes on Jesus and say, Lord, I trust I trust the process that me reading the Bible when it's like eating sawdust is like the right answer and it's going to do something and praying for these passages and revival when I'm like, I don't even know if you want to do revival. I don't feel like my prayers are even being heard. Um, so the right answer is just to keep doing the stuff and trust in Jesus that he's going to preserve that oil in you. That's so good. And, and I'll, I'll amend my answer, long, loving, reaching hours. I think what Luke said is just so good, you know, the, the concept of reaching because uh, to which you had a great follow-up, how do you know or how do you feel it? Like so, uh, so many times I, I, I'm grateful to be in a season where I am feeling it more, which is excellent. But in so many previous seasons, like one out of 20, I felt it, you know what I mean? Um, and, and there's so many times, you know, I come to a prayer meeting and, and it's like, man, this is a struggle. I'm struggling right now. Like, you know, man, I just doze off like, all right, but you know, you're, you're bored or you doze off, but you, you reset and then you reach again. That's the, that's the muscle that is producing the oil. 
I, I believe the 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 muscle of faith of uh, you're worth it. You're you're uh, it's it's the right thing to do. It's I'm reaching again. That that reset and that reach is what is producing the oil. I, I believe of uh, of recognizing our weakness, being poor in spirit, but yet reaching. Uh, knowing that he will satisfy us. Yeah, long living hours. Yeah, I would say the reach, keep the reach uh, in your job. Um, you know, one of the books, it's probably you recommended it, was the, the practice of his presence. You know, that's one of the most practical uh, ways is to keep the reach. And so it's not just sitting in, in a blue chair in front of, you know, you know uh, worship leaders that are, are going. Uh, but at work, you know, when you're when you're doing the whatever job, do that whatever job, whether it's, you know, your your kid threw cereal, a bowl of cereal on the floor, like do those things with the Lord, you know, in the focus and do them alongside the Lord. It doesn't have to be with Bible open, with anointed worship music going on. It's it can literally be in front of a, a big old uh you know, piece of machinery or mopping the floor or loading a truck or typing away at a computer or, uh, you know, in, up in an attic, driving a truck, driving, the, you know, whatever it is, keep that reach in your heart and the Lord in, 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 your, in your focus. Uh, you can do that anywhere. Uh, that's one of the beauties of, of the reach is if you're blind, if you're deaf, if, you, if you're, you know, maimed or lame, you can do any of those things no matter what your, your position in life is. Young or old, no matter what season, you can always reach for the Lord in everything that you do. It, but it is the, it is the, uh, the motivation, it is the, the remembering to reach for the Lord. So, great question. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the Q&A. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Give them a, a hand, please. For This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources or to schedule another TPR teacher to come speak at your church or event, please see our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Thank you.